I'm Marco Werman. This is The World. Guinea is one of the poorest countries in the world, but perhaps it shouldn't be. The small West African nation sits atop some considerable natural resources. It's rich in gold, diamonds, and bauxite, the raw ingredient used to make aluminum. And then there's iron. Guinea has one of the largest known deposits of untapped iron ore anywhere, and a portion of that deposit is under the control of an Israeli billionaire. That's according to an, that's according to an article in the current issue of The New Yorker. It's called Buried Secrets, and the author is Patrick Radden Keefe. And what the story is about is various international interests that have gathered around this very poor country and tried to come in and wrest control of this iron ore deposit, and in particular about a, a guy by the name of Benny Steinmetz, who is an Israeli, uh, by some accounts the wealthiest man in Israel, who several years ago managed to obtain control to about half of this mineral deposit and the ways in which he managed to do that. You, you write about that lucrative deal that was struck when uh, Lansana Conte was president, a pretty corrupt president. Now he's no longer alive, and instead a relatively new president, Alpha Conde, has his vision to clean things up, uh, really on behalf of the citizens of Guinea, who stand to benefit greatly from the iron ore. What is he up against? So Conde came into government in 2010, and at that point, Guinea had had about 50 years of misrule. It had two long periods of tyrannical leadership under the first leader after independence from France, and then this guy, Lanzana Conte, who you mentioned, and then a military junta. And corruption was just completely off the charts. Globally, this was one of the most corrupt countries in the world. Uh, there was one report that said the leaders of the country were just stealing outright. And so when Conde came in, he had run on a platform of good governance and he wanted to clean up and in particular clean up the mining sector because he felt that all of these precious uh, natural resources in the country had become the locus of a lot of corruption. But when he came into government, the whole administrative apparatus that had been there for decades had really never known anything but graft. And that was, a, uh, was and continues to be a real challenge for him. Um, Alpha Conde once said he wanted to be the Nelson Mandela of Guinea. How trustworthy is he really? Well, it's interesting. Benny Steinmetz, the Israeli who is now really locked in a battle with Alpha Conde and his supporters, says that Conde is no different from the people who came in the past. He actually says he's more corrupt, that Conde is basically trying to take his asset away from him, this really precious iron ore deposit at Simindu. I'm not persuaded of that. And in, in speaking with a lot of neutral observers from the international community who've watched Conde, nobody would tell you that he's a perfect leader or that he's a Nelson Mandela, for instance. But in observing the guy and talking to a lot of people who know him, it's my sense that this is not a guy who's looking just to enrich himself and kind of you know get as much as he can out of Guinea and then get out, which is pretty much what you've seen up to now in Guinea's history. What, what do the people of Guinea know about this whole saga and how much uh, do they have at stake in it? If, if that iron ore could be extracted and cleanly uh, the proceeds could be given back to the country. They have an enormous amount at stake here. This is one of the paradoxes of the new scramble for Africa. In Africa, you have a huge amount of natural resources, and I'm talking uh, not just mineral resources, but oil and gas that people are realizing are actually kind of locked up in Africa. So you could unlock a new source of supply in countries like Guinea. If you do it right, what that means is that these countries can actually develop 
and might work their way out of poverty. But there are a lot of ways to get it wrong. And the fear is that when you have these big mineral or oil concessions in a country, rather than have the country uh, sell those or, or license those or give permits to big international companies, what happens is that a small corrupt elite in these countries will do shady deals. So the elite will get very, very rich. But the country itself won't see the real bounty of these resources. I mean, as you point out, Patrick, the case of iron ore in Guinea has massive international dimensions. How much has Guinea lost? In terms of how lucrative it is, the numbers are all over the place. But one estimate is that Simindu, this mountain range, could generate about $140 billion in revenues over the next 25 years or so. So this would be absolutely transformational for the country. And you're right, there are all of these different interests which are circling, realizing that there is this huge uh, profit to be gotten, the, the, the profits for somebody like Steinmetz. When he came in initially, he got an exploration permit for roughly half of the Simindu range. And you don't actually pay a lot for exploration permits, if anything, on the front end. But what you do is you invest money in exploration. So he invested by his own count about $160 million. And less than two years later, he sold half of his concession to Vale, which is a very big Brazilian mining company, for $2.5 billion. So if you extrapolate by what Vale was willing to pay, this was a $5 billion asset that he had obtained on an investment of $160 million. This really seems to be a test case for, um, you write, the rules governing how executives from wealthy nations conduct themselves when they venture into the developing world. And those rules, in fact, as you point out, were discussed at the G8 uh, gathering in Northern Ireland two weeks ago. So w- where does the West stand right now on such deals like this? Well, I think that things are changing fast. I think the norms are changing. I mean, it, it is my view, having spent the last six months or so looking into this, that there's a tendency in the U.S., in London and various capitals of the West to think of corruption in Africa as this very remote problem that we have no sense of culpability in. But in fact, the more I dug into it, the more I saw that a lot of the corruption that goes on is facilitated by big players, uh, big multinational companies in many instances, who go in and are able to get certain assets really for a song by paying off bribes. I think that that's beginning to change. I think there's an increasing understanding that in order for Africa to develop effectively and to use all of these resources in order to develop economically, we in places like the United States and Europe need to start policing our own corporate interests in terms of the way in which they behave in Africa. Because if we don't, really what will happen will just be plunder on a grand scale. This could be like an episode of Law and Order, you know, the sides, uh, President Alpha Conde, and then on the other side, Benny Steinmetz and his diamonds and the legacy of corruption in Africa on the other, and the scorned wife of Lansana Conte. Yeah, this was one of the really fascinating twists in this story is that Lansana Conte, the aging dictator who had ruled Guinea for about a quarter of a century, one of his dying acts was to sign this Simindu deal with Benny Steinmetz. He literally signed the deal and died two weeks later. And as Alpha Conde's government started looking into this, they hired a guy who I write about named Stephen Fox, who's a, a former CIA officer. And Stephen Fox started looking into this and he was wondering, well, how did Steinmetz get this deal? And according to Fox, what Steinmetz did was he had an emissary become friendly with one of the wives of Lansana Conte. And I say one of the wives because 
plural marriage is accepted in Guinea, and, and Conte had four wives. And his youngest wife was a, a woman in her 20s. And the allegation of the government of Guinea is basically that Steinmetz developed a relationship with this woman and agreed to bribe her in order to influence her dying husband to sign over the rights to them. Now, I should say Steinmetz denies having done this, but this is the suggestion that the government of Guinea has made on the basis of their investigation. And it's also a suggestion which is now appearing in court papers filed by the U.S. Department of Justice, which is also looking into this case. Patrick Radden Keefe wrote the article Buried Secrets in the current issue of The New Yorker. It is a nonfiction, although sometimes it's hard to believe that. Patrick, thanks so much. Thanks for having me.